saying, you know, you know better. Thanks again for all of your support. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The World According to Buki and them. Greatly appreciated. The security in Europe since the end of World War II is at stake right now, U.S. General says. Top U.S. General Mark Milley told the press that he believes what's at stake in this war is much greater than Ukraine. What's at stake is the security for the security of Europe since the end of World War II. And indeed, you can easily make the case that that what's at stake is the global international security order that was put in place in 1945, Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, said. That international order has lasted 78 years. It's prevented great war. And underlining that, in, that entire concept is the idea that large nations will not conduct military aggression against smaller nations. And that is exactly what's happening in Ukraine by Russia against a smaller nation. Melly continued by saying that if Russia gets away with its aggression in Ukraine, cost-free, then so goes the so-called international order. If that happens, then we're heading into an era of seriously increased instability, Millie added. So right now, now is the time and right now is the opportunity here to stop aggression and to restore peace and security to the European continent. At the end of the day, what we want to see, what I think the policy of all governments together is a free and independent Ukraine with the territory intact and their government standing, he said. I think it's, you know, I think that's going to involve a week in Russia. He added that the unity among Western countries is key. The unity of West and the unity of NATO and indeed the unity of the globe has probably never been stronger than it is in the face of this unprovoked aggression. That's where we're heading. U.S. diplomats returned to Ukraine today for the first time since Russia's invasion. Uh, U.S. diplomats returned to Ukraine today for the first time since Russia invaded Ukraine, according to a source familiar with the matter. The diplomats crossed into the country from Poland and traveled to the western city of Lviv for a day trip, according to the source. The visit comes after U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken told Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky that the U.S. will send diplomats into the country starting this week when he visited the Ukrainian capital over the weekend. The department plans to re reassess the security situation for the diplomats. Day trips into Lviv constantly, the store said. The department is also re-examining the security situation in Ukraine more broadly after Russia bombed five railway stations in, a, in central and western Ukraine on Monday, according to the source and another source familiar with the discussions. The attacks that rocked the well, railway stations just hours after Blinken and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin completed their visit to Kiev. I'm sorry. 
the Kremlin's brutal tactics and utter indifference to hum human life are appalling. This is the latest example of attacks that have killed civilians, innocent civilians, and destroyed civilian infrastructure in the Russian government's brutal war against Ukraine that is unprovoked. Ukraine didn't do anything. They, I mean, they was minding their own business. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're going to attack you. We want to take you. We want to take your country over. Um, so, yeah, the, the Russian government's brutal war against Ukraine Um a State Department spokesman said when asked about the recent bombings and the plan to send U.S. diplomats back into the country. I mean, you know that that's pretty much what it is. I mean, they just attacked an a, a innocent country out of the blue for no reason, no rhyme, no reason. Just we're going to attack them and we don't care. It's just a mess. And you know, we just got to buy. That's why I don't have no problem with gas, even though gas has feels a lot more. It's a little softer. The punch has gotten a little softer. The prices went down on the gas and everything. But I wasn't really complaining. I know, you know, that's just me personally. I ain't saying for other people. I'm just saying me because to me, it's it's important because that country didn't do anything to, to Russia. And all these terrible war crimes against the, the people, the citizens of Ukraine, elderly, infants. I mean, people of all ages, just innocent, you know, living their lives and minding their own business, enjoying their freedom, enjoying their freedom. And all of a sudden, here's somebody comes over here destroying Ukraine. If you look at the cities in Ukraine, those cities are ultimately they are destroyed. A shambles. I mean, ain't nothing but but a bunch of uh, rubble. It's just destroyed. And it's like it's going to take billions of dollars to try to rebuild that back. To rebuild the cities back from the bombings. That was, you know, that was, um, that was done to them by Russia. So, I mean, they it's, it's a lot of work to be done. They, they literally tearing that place up. Tearing that beautiful... That, that countryside, is, it used to be beautiful from what I've seen. It was gorgeous. And just nothing but just burnt buildings, bomb buildings, glass. Just um, pile upon piles of bricks and stones from buildings that have been bombed. Cars are blown up and burnt. And just some, it's just a, a mess. It really is. Then you turn around and turn on the TV. And massive graves in Ukraine. People crying and screaming over their lost loved ones. And we have to, I feel like I, we have to, it's, you're human when you go to help someone in need. And Ukraine is in need. They are in need. They are a small country that was invaded. And targeted and invaded. And for anybody to just sit back and watch all of that terribleness unfold and not do anything about it. That's just sheer evil. It's just, that's all I got to say. Sheer evil. Sheer, nothing but sheer evil for somebody to, to do human beings like that. But there are some evil people out there. And we helping Ukraine 
lets the world know that yes, it is a lot of evil and wickedness in the world, but there's more good than it is evil and good always wins out in the end over evil always win good always is victorious over evil back in a moment with the world according to Buki and them stay with me thanks for coming back everybody vice president kamala harris tested positive for covid19 on today after returning from a week-long trip to california Today, I tested positive for COVID-19. I have no symptoms and I will continue to isolate and follow CDC guidelines. I'm grateful to be both vaccinated and boosted, Harris tweeted Tuesday afternoon. Kirsten Allen, the vice president's press secretary, said in an earlier statement that Harris tested positive for COVID-19 on rapid and PCR tests. Harris will isolate and continue to work from the vice president's residence, Allen said. She has not been in a close contact to the president or first lady due to their respective recent travel schedules. She will follow CDC guidelines and the advice of her physicians. The vice president will return to the White House when she tests negative, she added. Harris had been scheduled to receive her intelligence briefing at 10.15 a.m. today at the White House alongside President Joe Biden, according to Daily Guidance sent to reporters. On yesterday evening, she did not participate in any of the events or meetings at the White House on today, according to a White House official. A White House COVID-19 response coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha, said he did not know if Harris is being treated with therapeutics. That's a conversation that she's having with her physician. I'm not a physician. I'm not privy to those conversations, so I don't know the answer to that, he said. Contact tracing is underway, a White House official said. Officials will notify the appropriate people, but as of to this afternoon, the office had not identified close contacts among staff. A handful of staff members traveled with Harris to California last week, including Deputy Chief of Staff Mike and National Security Advisor Phil Gordon. It's unclear whether all staff members listed stayed in California with Harris through the duration of her week-long trip. Biden and Harris spoke over the phone today, this afternoon, according to the White House. He wanted to check in and make sure she has everything she needs as she quarantines at home, a White House statement to reporters said. The president tested negative for COVID-19 on yesterday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said. Harris's isolation will have immediate impact on Senate Democrats. Democratic Senators Chris Murphy of Connecticut, Ron Wyden of Oregon, Oregon both also announced they had tested positive as well on Tuesday, meaning that their absences along with Harris will delay Democrats' plan to confirm a pair of high-profile nominees this week, a senior Democratic aide said. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer hoped to confirm Lisa Cook to be a member of the Federal Reserve Board and Alvera Bedoya to be the chair of Federal Trade Commission, but because there is broad Republican opposition to them, votes to process those nominations will be put off until Democrats, who narrowly control the 50-50 chamber, are back to full strength. In a sign of the partisan combativeness that is so prevalent in the Senate, Republicans will still force a procedural roll call vote on Cook's nomination, which will fail later Tuesday and force Democrats to go through the process of breaking the filibuster against her again. 
Back in a moment with the World According to Buki and them podcast. Stay with me. So, I called back. Same State Farm agent. Texted the next day. Same guy. Is that even legal? And get this. He remembered my name. Of course. Hey, blink twice if you're in danger. Whoa, guys. At State Farm, we actually get to know you. It's called service. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thanks for coming back, everybody. I appreciate it. No, I can't get enough. Florida actually dissolving Disney's special status. Unlikely. Since consequences too dire, expert predicts. As Disney grapples with the aftermath of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis revoking the company's special tax district, some experts say the dissolution might not even happen. I don't think it's very likely, said Richard Fogelslong, Disney historian and author of the book Married to the Mouse, Walt Disney World, and Orlando. Frankly, the consequences are too dire. Fogelsong added, Already you're seeing conversations about the real costs of this and who will pay. From all appearances now, if you listen to our county officials, it's likely that the costs will be paid by the people who live here. And I don't think that's going to be a very popular idea, he continued. Still, the bill was signed into law by Governor DeSantis on Friday and barring any major back paddling on on the part of the lawmakers will go into effect in June 2023. Disney could also sue Florida for retaliation in an attempt to thwart the legislation, although experts say it's more likely that the media giant will enter into negotiations to alter the terms of the district. Currently, Walt Disney World Resort sits on 40 square miles area known as Reedy Creek, the special tax district that has allowed Disney to operate as a self-governing entity since its inception. That means Disney controls all of its utilities and infrastructure, sets building codes, operates its own police and fire departments, and can expand and grow whenever it wishes, all without local or state government interference. I call it Vatican with mouse ears because it's essentially the same kind of authority that the Vatican has in Rome in the state of Italy, the historian said. Consequently, the district, in addition to providing immense control and flexibility, saves the company tens of millions of dollars every year in certain taxes and fees. The new ruling will therefore force Disney to pay taxes on those government-funded programs. However, it also means that Reedy Creek... $997 $997 million worth of bond debt and some uh, some $163 million in annual tax payments will fall on the citizens of Orlando. I think that wiser minds will prevail once they begin to look at the consequences. Focus on surmised. This bill was passed in 72 hours. The bill analysis that was done in the state legislature was about a paragraph long for each of the three bills that were considered. So we really don't know what the financial impact will be. The relationship between Disney and Orlando is an economic development marriage. Focus Long explained, adding that the state of Florida and the media and entertainment giant rarely ran into any issues prior to the Parental Rights Education Act or what critics have dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill. 
The controversial bill will go into effect on July 1st. States classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender, gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with the state standards. Parents will be able to sue districts over violations. Disney CEO Bob Chapek initially decided not to speak publicly on the matter, opting instead to work behind the scenes in an attempt to soften the legislation. It didn't work. The executive eventually reversed course following intense backlash. He publicly denounced the act during the company's annual shareholder meeting on March 9th, in addition to directly apologizing to employees in a company memo. The move to strip Disney of its self-governance status has largely been seen as a blunt response to the company's unfavorable reaction to the bill. Normally, the Disney company has been able to have its way with the state legislator. They have made a lot of campaign contributions to Republican legislators, but they're now finding themselves in trouble with those same legislators, Fogel's Long said. It really wasn't about the powers of Reedy Creek Improvement District. It was about free speech, the fact that Disney and DeSantis disagreed on a matter of wokeness with respect to LGBTQ rights, he continued. Amid the viral DeSantis drama, Disney has fielded offers from other states with both Texas, with both a Texas judge and the governor of Colorado, inviting Disney World to relocate its theme parks away from the Sunshine State. Will it happen? Likely not. I think they need therapy, not divorce. Fogus Long quit. Back in a moment with the world according to Bookie and them podcast. Allergies just try to stop us being the greatest versions of ourselves. Allegra lasts up to six times longer than Benadryl. So trees, you won't take us down. Allegra starts working two times faster than Claritin. So dust, you won't wipe us out. And unlike Zyrtec, Allegra won't make us drowsy. So fur, you won't phase us. When allergies attack, take Allegra before your symptoms take over you. Live your greatness. When you carry out from Domino's, you can get more than just pizza for $5.99. You can get specialty chicken, savory pastas, oven-baked Parmesan bread bites, molten lava crunch cakes, and yes, medium two-topping pizzas as well. We didn't stop at pizza, and you don't have to either. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for coming back. Florida Chihuahua is world's oldest living dog, setting Guinness World Record. Yeah, this is a story of famous dogs. Yes, setting a Guinness Book of World Records, a new record for the world's oldest dog living has been officially confirmed in Florida. Born on the 9th of January in 2001, meet 21-year-old Chihuahua Toby Keith. Toby Keith's owner, Giselle Shore, has been with him for much of his life after adopting him from a shelter. I was a volunteer at Peggy Adams Animal Rescue and one of the employees told me about an elderly couple trying to surrender a puppy because they could not take care of him any longer. She told um, Giselle has said. Anyway, I met with the elderly couple and I was introduced to a tiny tan chihuahua. They had named him Peanut Butter. I later changed his name to Toby Keith. Really, both of them are cute. Toby Keith has a close friendship with 
Gisela's 28-year-old umbrella cockatoo, Coco, and even walks around with her. Otherwise, he enjoys eating slices of turkey, going on little walks, and lying next to Gisela's workstation while she works from home. To celebrate being named the world's oldest dog on the day of Guinness confirmed the news, Toby Keith got a bath, he had his nails trimmed down, and then he went on a car ride, his favorite treat. Well, congratulations, Toby Keith, and happy birthday. Back in a moment, y'all, with the world according to Buki and them podcast. Toby Keith. No way. No, really, I think I could dunk on you. Maybe, but I bet I love Kellogg's Frosted Flakes more than you. You are funny. It's the truth, Tony. Come on, buddy, my picture's on the box. Tiebreaker. Who's got the deeper voice? They're They're right. right. I win. I win. I win, Tony. Oh, you're (laughs) cute when you're wrong. And I still love these more than you. (laughs) No way. Same time tomorrow, Tony? Yeah, see you then, buddy. All right, love you. Love you more. Thanks for coming back, everybody. I really, really, truly appreciate it. China expands COVID testing to almost all of Beijing's 22 million residents. Capital to undergo mass testing after 33 new locally transmitted cases as the government stick to zero COVID strategy. Beijing has swiftly expanded its COVID-19 mass testing from one district this week to most of the city of nearly 22 million, adding to expectations of an imminent lockdown similar to Shanghai's. The Chinese capital began testing the residents of its most populous district, Chaoyang, on Monday. By the end of the day, even though only a fraction of the results had come out, the city decided to conduct tests on 10 other districts and one economic development zone by Saturday. The Chinese capital reported 33 new locally transmitted cases for the 25th of April, the city's health authority said on today, of which 32 were symptomatic and one was asymptomatic. That was slightly higher than 19 community infections reported a day earlier. Beijing's decision to test roughly 20 million people came a few days after tens of infections were found. In contrast, Shanghai waited for about a month and more than 1,000 cases before launching a citywide mass testing drive in early April. To resolutely curb the risk of the spread of the epidemic and effectively maintain the health of the citizens, it was decided to further expand the scope of regional screening on the basis of tests done in the Chaoyang district, a spokesman of Beijing's municipal government said on, yes, on Monday night. Three rounds of PCR tests will be conducted from Tuesday to Saturday in the district of Dongqing um, and other counties in China. Uh, Beijing's last COVID outbreak, while modest by global standards, is expected to deepen fears of Shanghai-style lockdown of the Chinese capital, further clouding the country's economic outlook as endless mass testing, a rigorous quarantine regime, and tight social distancing rules take their toll. Asian markets suffered their worst day in over a month on Monday on fears that Beijing was about to enter such a lockdown. Chinese shares slumped to a two-year low. Back in a moment with the world according to Bookie and M podcast. Stay with me, y'all. And yes, I'm cooking my dinner as well, the kids' dinner as I'm doing this podcast. What do you want from me? I'm busy. Ah!